Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. church family. Thank you for worshiping with us today. It's a big day for us as it's year number 55, our 55th birthday as a church family that we have been able to uh, gather here in this community and, and follow our Lord together. And it's overwhelming, isn't it? As you look back 55 years, just thinking about God's faithfulness to us as a church family. I know personally to you, as you think about your life, as we were worshiping the, uh, I was being reminded of Romans 15, verse uh, 4, where God says, you know, he has preserved the Old Testament for us to be an encouragement to us. As we look back and see story after story of God's faithfulness, and the Old Testament is not about a people so much as it is about a God, a great God who is faithful, as Wes was saying, to his promise. And the word, that, the verse that was coming to my mind was, that moment in Exodus 14, 14, where uh, Israel is at the Red Sea, and Moses answers the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And don't you love that as you think about, okay, how do we make it through the past 55 years? Well, there's only one answer, and that is God and His faithfulness. And I think about just the, uh, as you think about church, church as people, and aren't you thankful for the people God brought, has brought through the years and even today to our church family, and each person a precious gift to us. And uh, just praise Him this morning for the people that make up our church family the, uh, think about the, uh, the love that he's put in our hearts for each other. A unique church I, where all churches are to be loving, but I, and I'm a little biased towards us, but <laughs> this church family, the love of Christ beats in our soul for each other. And not only for each other, though, to serve each other, but to, a passion to serve our community, specifically families, and to help families become Christ-centered and, and to be a blessing to our community and just praise him for his work in our hearts. I think about the, uh, the ways that he's provided for us physically and financially through the years, providing a place for us to worship and a campus that we can use as a ministry impact tool. Even this weekend, pulling in yesterday and seeing our parking lot full of uh, cars and bas- that gym going. And here in Indiana, this is the beautiful time of year to hoop it up but using basketball as a net to fish for, um, to, to do the calling of Christ and helping people come to him and follow him. I think about all the ways he's sustained us through his word and through his presence over the, the past 55 years. And our church has gone, you have ups, you have downs, you have spring seasons, summer seasons, but you have winter seasons as well. And God has been faithful through it all, through his word and through his presence. Jesus Christ, obviously present, actively in charge, has been a reality for us, hasn't it? And we praise him this morning. And then I think about 
the beautiful future that he has planned for us. And when you have a church that is radically devoted to Jesus Christ, irrevocably devoted to love one another, and relentlessly committed to reaching those who don't know him yet, you have a what? A little taste of heaven on earth, a thing we call an outpost of heaven here stuck out in the cornfields of of, uh, Indiana that God will use in a powerful way to accomplish his mission, his redemptive mission here in our community and even I think about our church family, the impact that we're having around the world. How many uh, church planters are we supporting even this morning? 13, 14 um, churches gathering even today through your ministry and generosity. So thank you for the part that you're playing as a part of Westbridge this season of our lives. And today, Jesus told us, when someone comes to faith in him, heaven throws a party, heaven celebrates. The angels rejoice when a soul turns from um, seeking life apart from God and, and turns to faith in Jesus Christ. So as a church family, we have a tradition where we Uh, put a rose on the piano just to remind us. And did you see that rose today? Just praise God for a life that has turned to him and is eternally with, will be eternally with him. And this rose has special significance today in that it not only represents someone's salvation, but it represents this person's home going. Early Wednesday morning this week, Michelle Russell, a dearly loved child of God, daughter of God, took her last breath here on earth, and with her next breath, woke up in the presence of our Lord. Her journey of coming to faith is one that displays the glory of God, but also displays the faithfulness of his church. And God surrounded Michelle with hundreds, if not thousands, of faithful Jesus followers who just did their part. And I feel like this morning, she is, her story, Michelle and, and others like her, why we exist as a church. And so I'd just like to give you a glimpse. There's no way I can do justice to what God has done. But it was Lydia, the very person that Michelle gave birth to, who gently and respectfully helped her mom come to faith in Jesus and receive eternal life. And I, I love that picture of a daughter who received life from Michelle having the privilege of giving, helping her come to eternal life in Christ. Michelle loves horses, and uh, God placed Jesus' followers who loved horses in her life who were faithful to be a a loving witness. And near the end of her life, there was, I, I believe one of the ladies' names was Tara, had her doing a Bible study in Luke. And pretty neat story of, uh, you know, she's studying God's word, as they share this love for horses. And then as Michelle pursued her passion, and if you knew Michelle, she was all about helping others, a strong lady and, and a second career teacher. She went and she got her degree in teaching, ends up, God places her at South Elementary. Tina No, Jesus follower, places her in my wife Tam's class as a student teacher several years ago. And I remember Tam coming home talking about how much she enjoyed friendship with Michelle, just a fun lady, spunky, and just fun lady, but immediately, I remember Tam saying, but I have a burden to see her saved. She was, uh, would say, you know, I, that 
God stuff, nope. She was more into science and, and uh, did not have, was agnostic even in her um, faith journey. God immediately uh, not only burdened Tam's heart for her, but he burdened other hearts for her. I remember gathering as a small group in a living room, and, and uh, we prayed when cancer came, we prayed for her healing, but we also prayed for her salvation. And, and then to watch the uh, number of people that he placed at school around her, Tina No, her a loving leader as her principal, uh, Michelle Barber, who had been a longtime friend, was there at school um, loving her and, and pointing her to, to Christ. Michelle Legan, Taylor Grunlock, Sarah Finley, Jamie Rawley, Tam, the Delamarter family, as Mitch and Lydia were, were married, each person being the tangible presence of Christ to Michelle. When Michelle went into the hospital several weeks ago, Tam had the opportunity to go be with her. Her primary concern was to ensure she was trusting Jesus Christ as her Savior, to which Michelle said, yes, I, I am trusting him, but let me tell you what, what's happening here in the hospital. Random strangers are coming up to her, and she described a moment when she's in the room, a random stranger comes up and says, hey, can I pray for you? And she says, as that person prayed, it was like the tangible presence of, of God, God's peace filled that room. And you can't put it into words, but it's that peace that passes all understanding, Philippians 4. And she said, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> she said, as I was being wheeled down to some test, another lady saw me and said, hey, can I just tell you, I sense God's presence all around you. Guys, we, the church is not a place. We are the church. It's a people. And when we go out, the church goes out. We are the body of Christ, each one of us, a member, and we go, and where we go, his presence goes, and he is on the move through you, through me. And you see it in Michelle's life. We, uh, Tyson is a part of our crisis response team for the schools, and so as Tina was going to gather the staff, she called Tyson, but, or texted Tyson, he wasn't here on Wednesday, and so Kyle and I went to be with the staff and just be present there at South Elementary as she shared that, that news. And as we drove back to church after that, Kyle said, you know, Lydia, that name rings a bell. And several years later, or previous, Tyson had sent Kyle an email saying, fruit from your ministry. And it was Lydia's faith story that she shared when she was baptized here. And it goes like this. I started coming to our student ministry pretty much as a social thing in high school. And there was this special speaker who came one of the first days I was there, and his name was Kyle Fox. And I'll be honest, I wasn't quite sure about how to take him, his passion and his, he spoke powerfully. But afterwards, I was in tears with what he said. And I went up to Tyson and said, can we meet? And that meeting led to another meeting, which led to her trusting Christ as her Savior and her baptism. Kyle had a part to play in Michelle's faith. His first week of work here, God has him standing in the library at South Elementary just to hear the story. Why? I think God was whispering to Kyle and whispering to all of us, I'm working. 
and I'm working through your simple, humble, faithful acts of service. Let's do some good. And you know what I love about this calling is it, God doesn't call us to be a superstar, to be all this, to be do something great and be something great. He says just wash people's feet. Just be faithful. Just show up. And, and I will use what you say and use what you do to accomplish my good. Amen? God is at work through the humble, faithful service of His people. And I just, that pumped me up. And I thought about, you know, where we are as a church family and um, where this calling on us this year of just follow me, let's do some good. And so thank you for the part that you're playing. I know countless ways you're going out and doing good. Let's keep on. And thought it'd be good just to pause and pray a, a prayer of celebration and, and thanksgiving. But Lord, we do look back and just are amazed at your faithfulness, God. As Wes said, you are faithful to your promise. Jesus, you have been present with us. And through your word and your people, your spirit, you've built your church here and you've done so much good. And we praise you for that. Lord, as we look ahead, we're excited for where you're leading. And we uh, just pray that you would help us, lead us, guide us, keep us in step with you. Lord, may our focus be on you. May you, may Jesus Christ crucified be our message and, and just be the anthem of our praise. Lord, we pray that you would give us your heart to continue to reach those who don't know you. We pray that you would unite us as a faith family. Let us continue to love each other, build each other up. Lord, I pray that you would continue to do your transforming work in our hearts and helping us become more and more like you. And then that you would pour your grace through us to those around us. Father, I pray for those this morning who are hurting. And we know we uh, do lift up Lydia, Mitch, and, and uh, Lydia's family, Stephen, and her brothers, and just all those who are hurting. Father, would you be their comfort? Would you be their salvation? We pray for Sharon Finley and, and her family as we grieve the, the homegoing of Betty Johnson. Thank you for seeing her through the finish line strong, but we know that that leaves a hole. We miss her, Lord, and we just pray comfort for all those who are grieving. Lord, we pray for those this morning that are battling sickness and can't be with us. I pray for Larry Myers and... Just pray your comfort and your strength for he and Sue healing. I pray for uh, Danny Mendez. Pray that you would bring healing to him. Lord, as we open your word today, we pray that you would bring healing to our hearts. I pray that you would demolish strongholds, that you would make us more like Christ. And we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, today we uh, continue our strong series, and last week as we launched this, we were encountered with a truth that is simultaneously exhilarating, but also sobering, and it's over in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 was the, the core text, which says, says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil, and 
So the theme that we'll just come back to again and again is the calling of God upon us is to be strong in Him, in the power that He makes available. Now today is about demolition. It's uh, the calling of God, big idea, in Christ we're strong to demolish. The word demolish will appear two times in the text we're about to get into, and it, it uh, brings to mind an image that, that I'll share with you that, that hopefully we can carry with us as we study out this text. The image is this. One morning, it was several Christmases ago, our family was in Indianapolis celebrating Christmas, and I woke up Saturday morning, and I went out to do a run, and I noticed some people gathering on these empty streets, pretty much, looking down the street. It was like, what are they looking at? So I joined them in, in looking down the street, and would you believe moments later, did not realize this was, was going to happen, Market Square Arena, where the Pacers play, big building, implodes, explosions going on. You can just hear this pop, 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 pop going off inside that building. And then the entire building just collapses, cloud of smoke. What in the world? It was a demolition, but a planned demolition, thankfully. <laughs> they were um, wanting to do this so that they could build something better. And today is about demolition. Our text is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to, 6, 1 to 5. And uh, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. He's helping them see they need to be listening to him as an authority to speak into their lives. It was a church that he had planted. They, they're having some issues. Part of the, those issues is leadership trouble. And so he's, uh, he's really defending himself as an apostle and having authority to speak into their lives. But tucked into his defense is a treasury of truth that's timeless and it's... it's um, power to equip us to, to be strong, especially in the realm of how we think as we set out to do good. So Ephesians, I mean, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, Paul says, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. Important to hear, as Paul, Paul's about to get pretty, if we read the rest of this text, you'd see this is a pretty in-your-face He's got to do some correcting here with these people, but as he does it, he does it with what? This is instructive to us as we lead, as we have tough conversations with others. It's always with the heart of Christ, the humility and gentleness of Christ. Christ-centered, even in the tough conversations of our lives. There's one time in the scripture that Jesus describes his heart. Only once does Jesus say, this is what my heart is like. Do you remember that? And it's Matthew chapter 11, 28. He says, come to me all your worry, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Paul heard that. And as he does ministry, he says, it's by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you went away. Later on in this text, he'll reveal that part of the accusations against Paul is, this guy is like, weak, kind of timid, mild among us, but when he's out writing letters back to us, he's all bold. And so he's talking into that. He says, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. So he's talking about people who are accusing him of living by human motive and ministering out of a human motive things for things like uh, possibly money, and, and he'll address that later on in this, his, 
impure motives. He says, for though we live in the world or we live uh, in the flesh, live as humans, we do not wage war as the world does. This is interesting here where he's moving the motif to, to the battle we fight, the spiritual battle that we fight. He says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Now, when he says weapons, what's he talking about? Remember last week we looked at the, the weapons that God, Paul spoke, spoke into in Ephesians chapter 6. So things like truth, things like the word of God, things like prayer, um, things like faith, uh, the weapon of doing good. How do we overcome evil? Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. A variety of weapons, but these weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So what are the weapons of the world? You think about how the world fights or how we fight in our flesh. How do we try to advance whatever it is we want in our flesh? Power? Money? Force? Charisma? Personality? Leadership? Powering up? These weapons of... Uh, says, we do not fight our fight. The spiritual battle is not fought with the battle the, the, the weapons that the world fights with. On the contrary, the weapons we have, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You say, well, what's a stronghold? He fleshes it out. We demolish arguments, and this is speculations or reasonings, thinkings, and every pretension. Pretension there, the idea of a human opinion that, that raises or sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Here we see the centrality of, of Jesus Christ, the start of this text, but also at the end of this text. And three observations now as we think about the calling of God on our lives and how to live strong, especially in the realm of our thinking. First, we see in this text a warning to hear it. Here's the warning. We will battle strongholds. Really important that, that God is uh, just highlighting this reality that what we face as followers of Jesus, the battle that we're in, is one that will be, will be marked by strongholds that, uh, and, and when we see that, what's, what's God communicating to us? A stronghold is something that, it's a, a military uh, building that, that is built in a way that it is hard to penetrate, hard to, to take it down, hard to demolish. So when you think about a stronghold, what do you see? Big rocks that you build it with, strong doors, tough to get in. So, so what this is communicating to us is, guys, when we go to fight this thing, this is not going to be a leisurely, ah, this, you know, just a, it's not going to take, a little effort. This is going to take some effort. This is going to take some focus. This is going to be a fight to take this thing down. To which we say, okay, what in the world is a stronghold in the realm of our spiritual journey? And a stronghold is this. In this text, he's talking about a pattern of thinking, a way of thinking that keeps out the knowledge of God or refuses to allow in the truth of God. 
So it's a habitual thought process. Wes mentioned that thought that comes to your mind when something happens to you. It's, it's something that we think, a lie that we believe, and we think it again and again and again. And with each thought, we build a wall. And this wall goes up, and it keeps the presence of God um, and the, the truth of God at bay. Where there is a stronghold, you have the presence of evil, and where you have the presence of evil, you have disintegration of soul, disintegration of relationship with others, and disintegration of relationship with, with our God. Sin always disintegrates. It, it, it destroys. What, it, it creates dysfunction. It, it creates um, all that, that God does not want to happen. A stronghold is a destructive pattern of thought, built one thought at a time, from which the enemy attacks us and disintegrates our lives. The second instructive observation as we look at this text, we see in verse 4 where he says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish the stronghold. So truth, this is a truth to celebrate. We have a warning to, to hear, but this truth to celebrate is this. We can demolish the strongholds in our minds and, and that have, we have erected in our, our lives. And guys, this is the good news. This is the gospel for those of you who know Jesus as your Savior. And if you don't know him, his invitation today is open. Trust him and follow him. But we, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we receive the power, the weaponry, to demolish strongholds from which the enemy of our soul is wreaking havoc in our lives, destroying relationships, um, destroying our peace and doing doing what he he would do. How does this work? Okay, look for the mess in your life. Look for the dysfunction. Look for the pain. Look for the fear. Look for whatever that is. Identify the strong. We identify the stronghold. The thought that we think when that thought Wes mentioned that that sends us down the spiral, and then we take the truth of God's word and we attack it. We say okay. And we, we do it with this prayer. Lord, is this how you want me thinking about this situation? You're in fear. You're in conflict with someone. Lord, is this how you want me thinking about this situation? Give me your mind. Give me your thoughts. And we go to his word, and the Holy Spirit leads us to that truth. And then we take that truth, and we say, I'm going to think this truth. I'm not thinking that lie. You say, can you do that? Can you really choose how you think? In the power of Jesus Christ, yes, we have the power Two, and don't you love the, the fact he says it twice? Not like tiptoe around the stronghold and get to the other side or like brick by brick just kind of dismantle. He's like, we have the power to demolish. Sorry, Woo, that was loud. <laughs> I'm fired up. <laughs> we, guys, we do and we must. All right. Third observation, now that we're all awake, <laughs> this is a challenge to accept, and that brings us right into it. It's this, let's demolish the stronghold. This is not an option. We must demolish the stronghold. This is verse 5, where Paul, we see action. He says, therefore, we demolish arguments. We don't go tiptoeing into the opinions of others and like, ah, well, man, that's not, no. we're like, if it doesn't align with the word of God, we're taking it out. Do we believe this or do we not? Is this truth or is it not? Yes. And every pretension 
that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. And that's the neat picture. It's that thought by thought. Any thought that, that comes along, we take it captive. We ask, okay, is this the mind of Christ? And if it's not, we take it captive. We refuse to think that thought. So I thought it would be helpful just to go through some three common strongholds that I have seen come up in my own life, but also the lives of my brothers and sisters over 20 plus years of pastoral ministry, and we'll just deal with them briefly, but kind of give an illustration of how, you know, we, we do this, how we fight this fight. The first is the stronghold. We'll call this the grumble. And this is where we focus our thoughts and just keep thinking about what is wrong, 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 versus what is good, 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 good in our lives. God calls us to think about what is right, what is true, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think above the line in Philippians chapter 4, 8. But rather than live gratefully for uh, all that he's given us and focus on the good that's just being poured out upon us, showering us with mercy every morning, putting us to sleep in a, a, a waterbed full of grace every night, we're focused on what is wrong. And we can get caught up in a negative mindset and it becomes a stronghold from which the enemy uh, will, will leave us in despair. So what do we do? How do we get out of that? We, we identify it and then we fire truth at it. And the truth, there's lots of truth you can fire at this one. One of the best is First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. And we, we hear God say, rejoice always knowing that our joy is in the Lord, pray continually. So we look up and we're just like, Lord, my eyes are on you and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in, in Christ Jesus. So this is where we rethink. I'm gonna choose joy. I'm gonna talk to the Lord about this and then I'm gonna give thanks even in this circumstance. And how do we, I love the picture, of how do we demolish the grumble? How do you demolish a grumble? Guys, we demolish the grumble with gratitude, right? So how do you do this? Practical way. I've, I've set the goal. I don't stick to this, but I try to. It's aspiration. Every, meet, every day we meet with the Lord, our daily meeting. Ten minutes of my daily meeting is gratitude. I just want to thank God for all that he's given. When you come to your uh, weekly Sabbath or your soul care time or extended time with the Lord, look back over the week and just thank him for what he's done this past week, and celebrate the, the, the good things. The, Tam had her, her one thing retreat this past week, weekend, and she did something really neat. She went back over her whole life, took the different categories of her life, high school, college, time in uh, Dallas, time in, and she just praised God for his goodness in each category of, of life, and it really neat. I read through it in her journal, and wow retrains our minds and we crush the grumble with gratitude and we demolish that thing the uh, second stronghold is the grudge this is where we focus on how we've been how how i have been hurt versus what i have been forgiven so we we get that thought that person oh, i cannot believe they hurt me 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 and we build this fortress the enemy gets us trapped into this grudge from which bitterness and resentment and he disintegrates our our joy we, we have bitterness and he disintegrates our relationships now we have this oh i can't believe they did that what they did to me can't believe they did that ah i've been hurt 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 ah hurt and the grudge grows but we take how do we demolish the grudge one of the texts that we can use is colossians chapter 3 
verse 13 that says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And it's that picture of, okay, how do we demolish the grudge? We focus on what Christ did for us. We focus on all that, that has, he has forgiven us. And we could say this to align the letters. We demolish the, the grudge with a glimpse of grace, right? We kneel at the cross and just remember, rather than focus on my hurt and if the enemy has me thinking about, ah, oh, I can't believe, think, okay, how, how bad did we hurt God? And how much has he forgiven us? A glimpse of grace. So we demolish the uh, grudge with a glimpse of grace. And then the, the third stronghold is uh, the critic. And this is where we focus on the flaws of others versus the, the resident glory of God in every person, even people who, who we would consider being a, uh, a pain in our lives. This is the critic is, is what happens when we allow our thoughts to become condescending and judgmental, critical, focusing on people not measuring up and um, being what we think they ought to be, perceived flaws or real flaws, rather than living just to love people, to, to serve them, to, to notice their need and, and to say, okay, what can I do to help them as a, in that need? And rather than being somebody who is a blessing, we become a critic. So how do we demolish the critic? And Jesus gives us a, uh, a text that's really helpful in Matthew chapter 7 where he says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. So we take this truth. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't evaluate each other and call each other out as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ when we see areas that, that of sin or whatever that may be. We're called to do that throughout Scripture. What it means, he's speaking into a judgmental spirit towards others as we look at each other. And then he says this, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? So almost a comical picture, you know, hey, can I help you with that? You got a problem, man. That guy's got a problem. Can't believe that guy's driving down there. Can't believe that brother drives like he drives. And uh, when in reality, if we could really see how we drive, uh, we have this plank going out our eye and you just picture this I picture a railroad tie coming out of this guy's eye and Jesus saying you're trying to get that guy's speck when you've got a railroad tie coming out of your own eye um, let 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 me take the speck out it says when all the time there's a plank in your eye you hypocrite first take the plank out of your own eye then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye so what do you do when you, you hear the critic in you and all of a sudden you're just judging everybody and evaluating everybody based on your here's the truth lord help me not focus on their speck help me focus on my plank because i got enough plank to last me probably till the day i die <laughs> trying to fix the things in me that need to be fixed so rather than focus on the speck lord would you work on this plank and we shift our mind from, oh man, I can't believe they're like this, they're doing that, to, Lord, have mercy on me and help me with my plank. And we actually use the critic to, to switch over to, now we're praying, Lord, help me. Isn't it interesting, the one person who could have been condescending and judgmental wasn't? 
<laughs> Jesus, who, who could have been the one to say, guys, you're all messed up, was a friend of sinners. Now, he would call out what needed to be called out, but he, people were okay being with him. He, he didn't come across with a judgmental spirit. And so he calls us to, to do the same. So bringing this all together, what a gift God calls us to, uh, he says, all right, be strong in me, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Calls us to the battle, and we know within this battle, there will be fortresses, mental areas, strong points that we have allowed ourselves to think, thoughts that are, have blocked God out. To take these out, take these down is going to be a challenge, but the good news, through Christ and through his, the weapons that he's made available to us, we can, and today the challenge is, we must. And so as we wrap up today, just ask you, what's your stronghold as you think about your life? As you go to where the pain point is in your life, where the lack of peace or the presence of fear or the conflict might be, what's the strong point or the stronghold? And then would you be willing to just commit today, I'm going to take a step to demolish this. And that's the calling of of God today. Think about what's at stake and ultimately the glory of God is at stake as we seek to live lives that would bring him glory. That's the great thing, but also the good of those around you. Most of the pain in our families comes from a stronghold that we allow to exist. The, uh, the dysfunction in our relationships is usually it's a stronghold, but then I think about the joy of a, man, when we take those strongholds down, the good that God can do through us is awesome, isn't it? A, a life that, that's free of a stronghold is a life that's, that's powerful to be used for the glory of God. So, will you demolish the stronghold that God brings to mind is the challenge today. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us. And Thank you for the hope that we have. You've given us the weaponry we need to, to demolish those areas of our, our lives that, that are blocking you out. And I pray that you would just give us the grace to do that this week, Lord. We love you. We thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. And Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters here today and, and uh, just pray your strength, your encouragement, your grace to do what you've called us to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.